in a schus for Mishulam Daiv and Rabbi Yaakov Yod and Hashem Hashem and Aliyah. Okay, so, so again, we're just going to learn a, a little bit, uh, a short, a short shir this morning. Just in Yonah Diyoyma, in Yonah Diyoyma, the Indian of the three weeks that we're holding in the nine days, and a little bit some practical avoda to think about during this time. So let's just be uh, them, you know, this time that we're in, which is obviously revolving around Churim Beis Hamikdash, remembering Yishalayim and and it's not. We have to remember that it's not everything in Yiddishkeit is not just about. Not, nothing in Yiddishkeit is about just remembering the past or reminiscing or whatever, or even just mourning the past. The tachlis of mourning and thinking about Chor Beis Hamikdash is about through that avelus and through that mourning, we're rebuilding the Beis Hamikdash. So everything that we're doing during this time, whether it be from the three weeks to the nine days of Tisha B'av proper, it's all one process of actually rebuilding the Beis Hamikdash in a ruchniyistic way, in, a, in, in the nefesh. And when we do that, so then Bez Hashem, enough of us do that, it'll manifest physically. But that's the Avoidah right now. So everything that we're doing, what we're doing practically is Avelos and remembering and mourning the loss of the Churban. But through that, we're actually rebuilding the third base in English. So what we have right now in front of us are really three different Kufas, if we think about it. Right? So you have what you call the three weeks, right? Which, I mean, really, three weeks takes you all the way to Tisha B'av, but you know, when we talk about the three weeks, it means from Shavasur Thomas until Rishchidosh Av. That has a certain level of, let's call it Avelis, right? No music, no weddings, uh, no haircuts, and so on, at least for, for Ashkenaz, and that's the three weeks. And then you have, then it, up, then it moves to the next level of the nine days, right? And then already there's no, uh, that's already more significant Avelis, no laundering, and uh, no showers for pleasure and things like this. And then you get to Tisha B'av proper, where, it's, where it, even, it takes even to the next level of no shoes and all the fasting and all the, the halachas of, uh, of Tisha B'av that we're familiar with. So these are the three sort of stages in, in our k- trying to connect to Churm Beis HaMikdash. But in a deeper sense, these must be three stages in rebuilding the third Beis HaMikdash, in a certain sense. So let's begin to figure that out. What's the avoid of the three weeks? And then what's the avoid that we move on to the next stage, sort of in the nine days, and the final stage of Tisha proper. Okay, so in order to, to, uh, to explain this, we have to take just one step back and understand what exactly was the base of Mikdash, right? Because if we're all trying, we're trying to rebuild it with these three stages, so we have to figure out what it is that we're trying to rebuild. So what exactly, it's, a big, it's, uh, it's all of Yiddishkeit, but what, what was the base of Mikdash? So, you know, to think of the Beis HaMikdash in a chitzonistic way, you know, superficially, the Beis HaMikdash can be seen as just uh, a certain minor component of Yiddishkeit, if you think about it. I mean, yes, Beis HaMikdash, no Beis HaMikdash, we still have tefillin, right? Yes, Beis HaMikdash, no Beis HaMikdash, Shabbos, Kashras, I mean, learning Torah, it's all, it's all still there. So what exactly is the, the addition of the Beis HaMikdash? What does it bring us? Okay, Karbanis, fine, understand, that's significant. Okay, but in Chitzanius, a person would say that in terms of the material of Yiddishkeit, in terms of, of the program of Yiddishkeit, yes, the Bessemikdash does allow us to do certain things that otherwise we can't. Again, Karbanis and being Eula Regal, yeah, certain mitzvahs. But okay, it doesn't necessarily change the, the other mitzvahs that we are able to do without the Bessemikdash. In other words, superficially speaking, tefillin are the same, whether you have a Bessemikdash or not. The base of Migdash, right? Because it, it would seem like that, right? Because uh, according to Sanrishan, it was only after the Egel, right? 
So, because otherwise it will be vasli mikdash v'shechanti b'saycham b'saych kol echad v'echad. So certainly in chitzonius the base mikdash can be seen as okay, it's, a, it's a, you know it's something whatever it is. It facilitates certain mitzvahs, but not more than that. But the truth is like this: in Chazal we we find that the base mikdash has to be seen as not just a certain component to allow us to be makayim mitzvahs that otherwise we can't. The base mikdash is a reality through which. All of Yiddishkeit is seen differently. Now, what do I mean? So, the pasuk, there's a pasuk in Shir Shirim. The pasuk says it's talking about. I mean, it's a mashal, but the, the pasuk is talking about like a chasun and kala, and it says biyom chasunasai. It's talking about the simcha of a chasun and kala. Biyom chasunasai, the day of their chasuna. Biyom simcha slibai, which is the day of the rejoicing of his heart. So it describes a chasun. Biyom chasunasai, the day of his chasuna, and what is the day of the chasuna? Biyom simcha slibai, the rejoicing of the heart. So that pasuk, that pasuk, on the simple level, both those descriptions of Yom Chasunasai and Yom Simchas Libay are describing the same day, the day of the Chasana. Yom Chasunasai is what the day is, the day of the Chasana. And the feeling of the Chasun at that day is Yom Simchas Libay. Because I'll say that the nimshal of that, that really this, in terms of our relationship with Rabbanish Shalom, this is talking about two different, two different days. Yom Chasunasai, say Chazal in Tain, is Yom Chasunasai, Zeh Man Torah. So the day of the chasana between us and the Rabbanu Shalom, that's Harsina, Shavuos, right, Yom Kippur, whatever, when we got the, the Torah. And then Yom Simchas Libay, the day of the rejoicing of his heart, that's Zeb Bin Yom Beis So this is a little bit of a funny thing, because in the simple pshat, Yom Chasunasai and Yom Simchas Libay are both talking about the same day, right? The day of the rejoicing of the heart is the day of Yom Chasunasai. Yet when Chazal sort of tells us what the nimshal is, they're dividing into two places, two times, you have Harsinai. Based on Migdash. So how do, you, how do you bring that together? So the answer is that what Chazal are telling us is that the Beis Migdash is a new way how to see Har Sinai. In other words, just as in the simple pshat, Yom Simchas Libay is a, is a description of what's going on within the heart and mind of the Chazan. So, so too, even though it's true the Beis Migdash was built you know, way after Har Sinai. But what the Beis HaMikdash is, is not just the building. What the Beis HaMikdash is, is a reflection. Is a, it allows us to reconnect to Torah in such a way that's described as Yom Simchas Libay. So what does that mean? So what, so, so what does it mean? So let's talk about this for a second. When it comes to Chasen and Kali, you have Yom Chasen and Yom Simchas Libay. So there's two ways to think when a person gets married, let's use that mashal, because that's what Chazal, you know, that's the mashal that, that, that the Pasuk uses. So when a person gets married, there's two ways to think about once a person's married, now the rest of your life, you know? Going forward, like what's the, how does, how does that marriage, the moment of marriage, Yom say, how does that affect the rest of your life? So in Chitzanias, in, in a superficial way, so of course, once a person gets married, so now his schedule probably changes, right? His schedule changes, right? So he has uh, more responsibilities, he has to take care of someone, and oh, luxuba, you know, uh, responsibilities. But in Chitzainius, there are certainly certain aspects of life that are outside of that misgaris of getting married. I don't know, the guy, uh, uh, the guy still is eating breakfast, lunch, and supper every day. Not necessarily, you know, lunch he's eating at the office, whatever it is. I mean, there's certain... You know, uh, there, there are certain activities that he was doing before the chasana, and he can use them after the chasana. They don't seem to be necessarily changed by the fact that now the guy's married. 
yes, certain activities are different because he's married, but certain activities not. That's, that's the reality of, of Yom Chasun Nasai and Chitzainis. But in Pnimius, Yom Chasun Nasai is described as Simchas Libai. And the meaning of Simchas Libai is, is that in Pnimius, a healthy, uh, you know, a Rishon Mazalman marriage, you know, is one that after the Chasana, there is no activity that the Chasana does or the Kala does that's not changed and affected by the fact that they're married. It is everything going forward is seen through the prism, through the lens of I am, I, that I'm doing this and I'm involved in this and in the, in, in the back of my mind, I, I'm constantly thinking about my spouse and everything is affected by that and there's no area of life that's outside of that misgeris of marriage. That, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's the pnimius that gets changed that chasana does, is that it's not just a matter of, okay, now besides my regular schedule, I now have additional activities, or some of my activities change because of the fact that I'm married. Everything changes because they're married. Everything going forward in life is viewed from that lens of chasana and kal. And so this is what the Beis HaMikdash was. I mean, this is the real chaval of not having a Beis HaMikdash, where without the Beis HaMikdash, Okay, so what happens on our Sinai? Okay, the Rabbanu Shalom gives us certain obligations that we have to do. Okay, Umbez Hashem will fulfill those obligations, but that doesn't necessarily completely change our entire identity, and it doesn't necessarily completely change our entire perspective, especially in those areas that, that these changes don't seem to affect. We were eating before Mantar also. You know, a person, you know, they, they were, you know, a person goes to the bathroom before our Sinai too, and after, the, after our Sinai, okay. So now you have to see Ashiyatzer. Uh, fine. So that Nakud has changed. But not everything else has changed. You know what I'm saying? So, Chasunasa is a mantar. But Yom Simchas by what the Beis HaMikdash meant, and by seeing the Beis HaMikdash, to be, to be Euler Regal three times a year, to see that place meant that everything is now seen from that perspective of, I have a Chasun, the Rabbani Shalom. And the, the, the Rabbanu says, I have a kala, Knesset Yisrael. And everything is seen from that lens, and there's no area of life that's outside of that misgaris. That's what the Beis HaMikdash caused. And, what was, and that's, that's what we're missing. So, in other words, if we, from that perspective, what we're trying to therefore build during this time, from three weeks, nine days, Tishavav proper, when we say that we're trying to, quote-unquote, rebuild the Beis HaMikdash within ourselves, the exercise that we're doing during this time is trying to take one aspect of life, and we're going to try to do this to the mo- in the most extreme way. We're going to take one aspect of, of Kal Yisrael's life right now, which would seem to be the most separate from a Chassan and Kala relationship, and Adarab. Try to turn that and to try to refocus that particular aspect of our national life and to, and to say, no, 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 that's not outside of our, of our chasen and kala relationship. Adarabba, our chasen and kala relationship redefines this particular area of our national existence. And, that it's, and, 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 it's now, and this particular area, which I have yet to say, this particular area is going to be redefined and, and, and now colored and reoriented to be Adarabba in expression of our relationship with our chasen. And that itself is bidin based on English, you understand? So, if a, in other words, what what is in order to just like by a chasen and kala, uh, to to, to um, the greatest expression of that rededication of the the, the renewal of uh, of the vows, so to speak, you know, what I mean, would be not to just for the chasen to say, okay, I am going to 
be more uh, be more focused on be my obligations of the ksuba. Like that's not the the the. Uh, that would be Yom Chasinasa. Yom Simchas Libay would be what? Would be to take an area that would on, the, would on the surface have nothing to do with me and you and to reorient it and to say, no, 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 it has everything to do with me and you. That, that, that's now changing the relationship and, and, and expanding it and saying that our connection is one that is essential to me. Like I am different now because I'm married to you and that difference colors everything that I experience. So that's what we're trying to do during the three weeks. But the way Chazal tell us, and the way we're doing it, is that we go to the most extreme. What area of life, on a national level, would seem to be the, the area that is the most outside of our chasen and kala relationship? The answer is, golis itself. Golis itself, right? Golis itself, the fact that we were kicked out of Eretz Yisrael, the fact that that we don't have a base image, right? Gullus itself is a reality on a national level, right? It's Gullus, on a personal level, which would seem to be the most outside of Chassan and Kala. Because what does it mean to be a Chassan and Kala? It means that you're living together in the same home. The fact that I'm not at home, the fact that I'm kicked out of my house, right, is the opposite of Chassan and Kala. But if we can take the experience of Gullus itself and view Gullus from a Chassan and Kala lens and say that because I am married to the Rabbanu Shalom, because we have the Simchas Libai experience, because of that, even Golis itself can be seen and be redefined and be reoriented as an expression of our relationship, then what you just did by that is literally take the one thing which is the opposite of Chasen and Kala and convert it into Chasen and Kala. There's no greater way of building the Beis Hamikdash within your soul than to literally take Churban Beis Hamikdash and to transform that and to reorient your view of Chorim Beis Hamikdash as an expression of Chasen and Kal, as an expression of your relationship with Hashem. And so this is what we're trying to do. Again, I, I give an example of, what, of how to do this. But we're, this is what we're trying to do over, the, over this Tkufa, from the three weeks to the nine days of Tisha B'Av. It's three steps to build to the point of where the suffering of Golis itself can be reoriented as an expression of our relationship with the Rabbani Shalom in a, in a loving way. And that itself is bidding based on English. Now, let me give you the, in order to explain this, uh, there's one particular yid of all Jewish history that I think probably embodies this avoida in the most extreme way and in the most clear way. And that was Rabbi Akiva himself. Rabbi Akiva, if you think about it, his life sort of sums up Golas and, and the Tsaris of Kal Yisrael. If you think about it, he's the head, he's the greatest of the Asar Malchus which is sort of, you know, um, um, the, the seed for all Jewish suffering in Gaulus is Asarugi Malchus. And he's the greatest of Asarugi Malchus. His entire world that he built, 24,000 students were de- decimated in his lifetime. And Rabbi Akiva is it. And the same Rabbi Akiva, who's the embodiment of everything that Gaulus is, all the difficulties of Gaulus, he dies like Kiddush Hashem, you know, that same Rabbi Akiva is also the embodiment of Yom Simchas Levi. Because, for example, all the Tanaim, I mean, I can't say all, but the, the vast majority of the Tanaim were married, right? But how many of them do we know their wife's name? Some, not all. How many of them do we know how they met their wives? That's already only Rabbi Kiva. How many of them do we know, you know, in Yonam they had with the father-in-law, the shver- only Rabbi Kiva. How many of them do we know where their first uh, Chassan Kal apartment was? 
Shabikiva, they were in the barn, right? How many how many Tanaim and Amaraim do we know of private conversations they had with their wives, of gifts that they gave to their wives? And even Rabbi Kiva, when he comes back, right, after 24 years, right, with 24,000 students, right, and his wife is pushing up, you know, and they, they push her away, what does he say? Everyone knows, Shaliv, Shalacham, Shalah. The whole Indian Rabbi Kiva is Chasen and Kal. So, and that's not a coincidence. The same person who's the embodiment of the difficulties of Golas is also the same person who's the embodiment of Yom Simchas Liba, where everything in his life was, was painted and, and seen from that perspective of the fact that I'm married, right? If you think about it, his, wife, his, 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 his process of becoming Rebbe Akiva started, the catalyst of it was because of his wife, right? His wife pushed him to go to yeshiva. And then, so every single step along of this process of becoming Rabbi Akiva, it was from that, that lens of Chassan and Kala. Everything that he had in his life, it's all, it was all Chassan and Kala. And that's, again, that, 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 that's a tikkun. That, that's not a coincidence. The same Rabbi Akiva, who's the embodiment of Golas, is also the embodiment of viewing everything from the perspective of Chassan and Kala because that itself is the tikkun of Golas. You understand? That itself is the antidote to Golas. To take something which is which would seem to be the destruction of our marriage of Chassan and Kal, which is Golas itself, but to be able to have the strength to, re- to, re- to reorient yourself, to view Golas itself as an expression of Chassan and Kala. And that's why Rabbi Kiva was so, I say this obsessed in the nicest, of, in the most respectful of ways, he was obsessed with Gula. His whole life was about Mashiach, right? Bar Kochba, his whole Indian is Gula. Even according to some, the 24,000 students that, that were killed, uh, it, it, was, it was revolving around the rebellion of Bar Kokhba against uh, the Romans. His whole Indian was that. So Rabbi Kiva is the, he's gonna, we're going to use him as the example. And, and so now let, let, me, let me give you the, 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 final, the, the, the final stage, and we'll build up stages one, two, three, right? Because we have the three weeks, nine days, and Tisha of proper. But let me just show you like, what we're heading towards, like what's the tachlis. The greatest expression of this idea of taking that which would seem to be the opposite of Beis HaMikdash, but Adarabah, seeing it and redefining it as an expression of our relationship with Hashem, the highest level of that is that you see the moment that Rabbi Kiva was killed. Why? If you think about it, that moment when the Romans you know, were, were torturing him and, and laying their hands upon Rabbi Kiva, that would be the greatest Chil Hashem. If you think about it, like, that's the greatest Chil Hashem possible, that you have the, the, these cursed Romans that are literally killing you know, Rabbi Akiva himself. But what's amazing is that that moment of what which would seem to be Chil Hashem is reoriented and changed. We call it Kiddush Hashem. So we know that Rabbi Akiva's whole life said to said this is Talmidim, they, 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 he told his Talmidim, his whole life he's waiting to be in the midst of to die al Kiddush Hashem. And so the moment that it was happening, he says, how could I not? So he says, Shema Yisrael, and his uh, neshama leaves him the word Echad. See, what's happening at that moment? What's happening at that moment is that Rabbi Kiva is taking the darkest, most tragic, uh, an experience which would seem to be the opposite of Beis HaMikdash. Like, again, the fa- what's the farthest extreme from, from Gula? The farthest extreme from Gula is, is, is Rabbi Kiva being killed by the Romans. And what is Rabbi Kiva doing? Rabbi Kiva is not seeing the Romans as killing him. Rabbi Kiva is, is, is viewing the Romans, I give him like a marshal, Rabbi Kiva is seeing the Romans as if they are the flower store that he's using to buy flowers for the Rabbani Shlalem. And what he's saying is, Rabbani Shlalem, I want, to be, I want to give myself to you. I want to show how much I love you. How do I do that? 
oh, Baruch Hashem, the Romans are here, and they're going to kill me, and that I'm using them as, a, as an in- instrument to express my devotion to you. He's, that, that moment, what Rabbi Kiva is doing at that moment, is that he's redefining the experience, and he's, re- and he's coloring it from the perspective of Yom Simchas Libai, and he's saying, this is not outside of my love and my relationship with Rabbi Hashem, this is the greatest expression of my relationship with, with Hashem Yisbarach, that I'm, I, I, my whole life I want to sacrifice, I want to give everything I have to him, but how could I do that? Right? The Torah says I can't kill myself. So, but Baruch Hashem, I have the Romans that are going to do it for me. And the Romans are now seen, this experience is now changed as opposed to just being suffering and terrible and Nechil Hashem. This, the, the moment of Mesir Snefesh is now being changed as, to Ke'ilu, Ke'ilu, like a dozen roses that Rabbi Kiva is offering to the Rabbani Shalom. How, how what is a dozen roses? My, my Nisham itself is what I'm, what I'm offering up. How do, I, how do I do that? The Romans are facilitating that. So the, the whole Indian of what's happening is changing that. that that's the, the height of, of, of what, what is on Tisha B'Av. That's why on Tisha B'Av is a day, obviously, where the Avelis is, 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 is the greatest. It's the most intense. And it's also the day where Mashiach is born, right? And it's also like the moment of Chorim Beis Hamikdash, the Kruvim were embraced, right? What's the Avoid of Tisha B'Av? The Avoid of Tisha B'Av is as we go through the Kinnis, right? And as you go through all the tragedies of, uh, of Kal Yisrael, people make a big mistake, right? They think the point of Tisha B'Av is just to be depressed. So first you start off very religious, right? And you think that what's going to get you depressed is reading Eicha. And then that usually doesn't work. So then you move on to uh, watch some Holocaust movies. And then right a year that's like too, too overwhelming. And slowly but surely, you know, you start telling yourself, okay, you know, maybe a nature video is like motivating. And then, you know, next thing you know, you, you know, you're just binging on something, right? Why? Because the whole thing was flawed from the beginning. The flaw was is that you're thinking the Tachlis is to be depressed. That's not the point. The point of Tisha B'Av is to take all the tsaras that you've personally experienced in life and all the tsaras that Klai yourself experienced in life and turn them into a dozen roses. And you're saying to Rabbanu Shalom, I love you so much that look at how much I'm willing to sacrifice for you. Look how, much, how willing I am to deal with planet Earth and dealing with being a Yid in 2021 and it's all for you because the easiest thing to do would be to forget all of this. So why am I doing this? Why am I making myself crazy, you know, being a from a Yid? All for you. And so you know you did that. And then you think to yourself, and this is not just me, my decision. All of my ancestors, we're all sacrificing everything. We're dying. Okay, all these things. Why? Just for you. And that moment, what's ha- that's the greatest tikkun that, that's converting the tsaris of Golas instead of just the, the, their tsaris. You're turning them into a way of expressing your Ahavas Hashem. And you're turning all the tsaris into a matana to the Rabbanu Shloilam. That is called binyan beisamigdash. There's no greater binyan beisamigdash than that, than literally taking something which is, which on the outside would be, would, would seem to be the farthest removed from a loving relationship between a chassan and kal, and saying, no, 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 no. My relationship with the, with the Rabbanu Shloilam is so deep, and it's so penetrating my soul, that everything is colored from that perspective. So that's the height. That's the greatest, that's what Tisha B'Av is. So everything in Tisha B'Av is oriented. It's all matana, every kina, every, every, every tear, every uh, uh, thought of, of tsaris personally and nationally. It all has to be, you're, you're, what you're doing is not just time to be depressed. You're, you're changing that experience as an expression of love. That's why the Gemara says, for example, that how do you know if someone loves you? I've mentioned this before, how do you really know? So the real way to know, the greatest simon of Ahava, the Gemara says, is Ahava dechekes as Abbasar is if a person is willing to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation for the purpose, for the sake of the person that they love, that's how you know someone loves you. Sacrifice. That's what it is. 
So how, the greatest expression of our love is our willingness to tolerate and to deal with all the tsaras that Tishbev means. As be, be, be cool, and we're happy to do so. But again, it's not just that. Like that, it is our, it, that's a way of us giving ourselves to Hashem. Again, the height of that is literally dying like Hashem. But any level of suffering is also giving of your soul. It's also giving of your strength, giving of your, of your menuchas nefesh. You're giving it to Hashem. It's not the Romans taking it from you. It's not the, the Romans are not taking it from you. It's the Romans, the Romans are facilitating you to give it to Hashem. Otherwise, if, you, if it's just the Romans taking it from you, then the, the, there's, no, there's no tachlis in that. How do you... One thing to go through that exercise for yourself, personal. Yeah. But what, let's say, what, what's the avoda, what's the exercise when it's something either affecting a family member or a seaboard that's going sure. on down in Miami? Sure. You know, how do you contextualize and, and do the same exercise? So I think... I, so the, the, the truth is the exercise really remains the same. It's just that a person, when it's dealing with other people, again, whether it be individuals or uh, a tzibur, um, a person just has to be more sensitive to realize that this is an exercise that they might not be able to verbalize to that person because that would be, you know, uh, a lack of sensitivity to what the person needs. Like, you know, but, but th- this is something that we find in the Svarim. This, this is an avayda which is called a process of hamtaka sadinam, of sweetening judgments. Like how do you, like there's such a thing, you go to a tzaddik and the tzaddik are able to be mamtik din, they're able to sweeten the judgment, to, to take away a gzair from someone. How do you do that? Well, the way we're explaining is that this is the process of amtaka sadinin, is that when you see a din, you see a difficulty, you see, uh, quote unquote, a Roman, you know, Roman, uh, you know, experience. The way to be mamtik that, so if you're a big makubal, so shame is haktoshin, right? But what is that? What, for us, what it means is that you're, you reorient that experience and you say, no, 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 this is not the Romans you know, causing me tsaris. This is a way how, how I'm expressing my devotion and my Messiah Snefesh Hashem, and the Romans are there to facilitate that. I do that for myself, and I, and I mentally project that, that, that uh, perspective on someone else too. And I mentally project that on the individual, and on the tzibur. And I'm able to do that because all, Yisra- all Kala Yisrael's neshamas are inter-included. And so I am able to do that to others. And that's not just a, a cathartic way of how to process tzaras. That is, that's how, that's actually being mamtik v'dinah. So when you see, and this is not just for the three weeks in, in Tisha B'av. Anytime you see, you, you walk down the street and you see someone ebuch that has a difficulty, that's the avaydah. The avaydah is to look at that person for a second and to reorient the experience and say about that person and about myself as I'm, as I'm shaykh to that person, that so this is, Rabbi Nishon, look how much I love you and look how much we love you, look at how much he loves you or she loves you, that they're willing to give up so much for being a yid. And you think to yourself, but, but, but he didn't do anything, the person was born like that, or these are, these are Roman, you know, outside influence from the Romans. I don't know. That's Yom Sim Chasli. That's a Beis Hamikdash Dikah thing. And then when when you when you when you live in that way and you see Tsaris in that Beis Hamikdash Dikah lens, that's called building. That's called building. That's called bringing Geula. That's called Bimantik Dinim. So this is the that's the process. That's that's the height of it. That's Beis Hamikdash itself. But like I said, now just mamish for a couple minutes. It's already um, three stages to build the, to build to that. Okay. And all within Rabbi Kiva's life, I think you see this. Baal Shem Tov taught. That this avayda of what we just described as hamtaka sadinim, hamtaka, has to be preceded by two stages, three altogether. The final one being hamtaka, which is what I just said, tishabav is mamish, but it's preceded by two. Stage one, 
stage one, before you could even get into the, this, this, this madrig of, of uh, Tishavah. Stage one, Balshanta said the first stage of Amtaka, the first stage of this process, is what's called hachno, humility. Humility. Stage, and that would correspond to the three weeks. So the avoider for the next week, until the nine days kick in, is what's called hachno. Okay? What does hachno mean? Hachno means that in order to allow yourself to eventually reorient and change the Roman into a dozen roses, the, the first stage is to allow yourself to, to be humbled and to be willing to really allow yourself to experience the tsar. You have, to be, you, have to, you have to open the heart up. If the heart is, is rocky and the heart is stubborn, then none of this can get started. Yeah, yeah, the person has to, in order for the heart to be full of love and to see even the Romans as a matana with the Rabbanish Shloylam, a person has to be sensitive. You have to first uh, soften the heart. So the first stage is what's called hachna. Hachna means to be humbled, to be humbled by the experience of Golas. It means on a very simple level to think about the tsar and to, and to, and to, and to be anguished by it and to really be mishtatef in the tsar of other yidin, to, to be mishtatef in your own tsar, to really allow yourself to, to feel it sometimes, you know, again, not to the point of getting depressed, but to the point of being, being humbled by it and being softened by it. Again, in Rabbi Akiva, for example, there, there's, no greater, there's no greater, I don't think there's any greater expression of a person who became a Tamil Chacham and became who he became through a process of hachna than Rabbi Akiva himself. We're talking about someone who's 40 years old and knew nothing and then had to begin his avodah and going to pre-wene. And like Chazal even says stories like this in the Midrashim of, of him learning with like little kids and you know, the, everyone knows the famous story with the rock, right? That he was in Matzliach, right? And he goes and he sees the rock and the drop of water and, and you know, the, the mashal that he saw, the hachna that he, held, that he had. And even when he built 24,000 students and it's all decimated, so we think of Rabbi Kiva, he's just the hero, he's able to push through it. But 24,000 Levites, and when Rabbi Kiva described that experience, he described it with a pasuk of, in the morning plant your seeds, and at night time, don't stop. And he said that that was his life, that the 24,000 students, but then it all fell apart, and it's night time, don't stop. And he goes to the south, and he starts teaching five students again. Rabbi Kiva is describing that moment in his life as Erev, as nighttime. I mean, that's not, that's, not a, that's not a person who doesn't feel. That's not a person just, okay, whatever, I go weiter. It's not, not robotic. Adarabah. He had a big heart. And the, the experience of him losing 24,000 students, the experience of him having to humble himself to start learning at 40 years old, that was hachna. And that's the, that's the first stage of, of becoming humbled and softened and, and, and sensitive. You know, and to become sensitized by the tsar, that's stage one with, that would eventually lead to Rabbi Kiva being, his heart being so open and so in love with Hashem that he says, you know, uh, that he's saying Shema Yisrael the day that he's dying. So that's the first level of hachna, and that's the light of the three weeks. Just to, 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 to be humbled by the tsars, by the tsars of Kali Yisrael, and to become a little bit more sensitive to it. That's number one. The next stage after Hachna the Baal Shem Tov taught is what's called Havdalah. Havdalah means to then, now that the Klippa, now that the Tumma, so to speak, has been, has been softened, right? The heart has been softened. Now the next stage is Havdalah, to separate. What does that mean to separate in our context? So there's another mice with Rabbi Kiva that I think embodies this process, which is in order to eventually view the, change the Romans into a dozen roses, right? It's like a weird 
Marshall, but that's where we're going with right now. You're changing the Romans into a dozen Rosens. In order to do that, number one, you, you, have, to, you have to allow yourself to feel. You have to be humbled. Yeah, there has to be hachna. But stage two is that you have to disengage. You have to, you have to stop seeing Romans. And then you could have, a, a, you, you need to develop a, the person needs to develop a, a, a broader perspective. And now the person has a broader perspective, then you could go back into the domain of the Romans and change it into a matana for Hashem. Havdola, the second stage of, remove, of detaching yourself. That you see with Rabbi Kiva, the, the famous Gemara of Ma, in Makis, right, the end of Makis. And it's Hashkoch HaPratis said it's Meseches Makis, right? Makis means patch. And what's the last Gemara in Makis, right? Rabbi Kiva and the Chachamim, they're walking by the Yisimikdash and they see foxes or they see the parade, all the different Maisim over there, they all, the same Nakuda, which is the Chachamim are crying, Rabbi Kiva's laughing. And he says, why are you laughing? He says, why are you crying? Why are we crying? Chorim Beis HaMikdash. Rabbi Kiva says, that's exactly why I'm laughing, because if you could imagine what it is right now, can you imagine what it's going to be? Akiva Nechamtanu, Akiva Nechamtanu. You see what, that, what was Rabbi Kiva doing? He, Havdola. He was detaching himself from the moment right now, and he was allowing himself to see the future and to see, some, to see something to be in a bigger place than just this moment of the Romans. And it, it's, impo- in other words, it's impossible to be in that place of tsar and to convert it into something good, into something sweet, unless you've uh, had the exercise of, of disengaging from that difficult moment. When you're in that tsar and that's all you know, it's impossible to change it. See, but there has to be a part of you that's outside of it. And so there's this kufa of, of, of hamtaka, of havdol, I'm sorry, that, that Rabbi Kiva is disengaging from the moment, and he's not seeing a parade, and he's not seeing foxes. He's just seeing gula. He's not seeing that. And because of that, now, so first he, saw, he goes through his whole life of becoming Rabbi Kiva in a way of humility, in a way of hachna, so fine. Now that means already Golos's clutches over his heart is a little bit, is a little bit not as strong because of the humility, because this is a cloud that wherever there's humility, the Rabbani Shalom's presence always exists. And whenever there's the Rabbani Shalom, it means the Tsar of Golis is softened. So already the clutches of Golis, the clutches of the Romans, is already their, their grip is not as strong because of the humility that Rabbi Kiva has. And number two, Hamtaka means that now Rabbi Kiva is literally removing himself from the moment of Tsar, and to that, in that place, in that time of Rabbi Kiva's life, in that moment of Rabbi Kiva Nechamtanu, there are no Romans, there are no Romans, there are no foxes, there is no Chorim Bishamidosh. And that corresponds to the nine days itself. The nine days is when Avelis kicks in. Avelis is not, Avelis is about removing yourself from life. That's really what Avelis is, right? I mean, that, that's what it is. The avoid of the nine days is to not, is to, is to, is to disengage from Olam Hazah to a certain extent. It's to disengage from this world. It's to disengage from everything that's Roman dick. And that's the avoid of Havdola, of separation. It's getting to that place of Rabbi Kiva where he's looking, he's like, eh. That, that's when the nine days, we, we're barely taking care of ourselves, right? I mean, you know, no, no laundry and uh, no showering and so on. Instead of viewing it as just, just acts of depression, you have to view it in a way, these are acts that we do to disengage from the place of difficulty. You understand? Because that's the, 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 the avoid that we're doing at that time, even though it looks like, just an expression of, of tsar, and it is, because we're always, we, we're carrying the hachna with us. So it's never about just completely forgetting about stage one. So you're carrying the hachna with you, the humility and the softening, and you're dealing with the tsar. But at the same time, there's, at the same time, you're now 
enveloping the second stage, which is Havdalah, some level of removal and separation from this life, that it, from, from Golis, which is causing the difficulty. And then finally, finally, then you could get to the stage of Hamtaka, which is sweetening, which is Tishavav proper, which is this Avaida of, 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 of descending back into the Tsaris, but now, and, and St. Kinnis and Eicha and all that, but now being able to have the strength and perspective to be able to review them, to, to view them and to orient them as a matana and as a gift to Rabbanu Shalom and ein lecha binim beisamigdash gadol mizah. And so this is the, the, the process of avodah that we're going through. Again, you have hachna, havdala, and then finally hamtaka. And all this you see in Rabbi Kiva's life. His whole life was leading that moment of, uh, of Mesiris Nefesh with the word echad. That's what Echad is. Echad means Chasim Kal. It's Yichad. That's what uh, that's the Avodah is. That's Rabbi Kiva. So Hashem should help us. We should not have to have to deal with any of these Avodahs uh, in an extreme way. Mashiach should come and Yom Sim Chasliba should be revealed in its fullest of senses. But this Avodah we should have. Hashem should help us. We should be Zeichad to convert all the Tsars uh, individually and collectively to reveal what they truly are, which is Pashad Matana that we have to uh, the Rabbanish Shalom. Okay. Right? It's a Mayer. It's a